Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. For $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and use promo code BRAINCANDY30. It's episode 201, and we're still having F-U-N fun. You! Ah, I snuck in! That, I didn't even mean to. It just rolled off my tongue. You sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> I cannot believe. That was a good one, though, but... Because you spelled it and everything, I but... Know. Okay, I last one. Last it. one. But you know why? Because I didn't even get to do it with 99. I mean... A 199 or 198, I think. So it's like I, I had like like a... that a, We have no rollover rhyming. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's not my like policy. your T-Mobile plan with minutes or something. No, it isn't. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show. All oh. the same. It's nice to be here. How are you? I am doing well. Yeah. Yeah. You're not sick of me yet? Oh my god, never. Really, never. Get out. It's you like know? I I need a Susie fix. If I go too long without it, I'm like, I'm missing something. What is it? What mm-hmm. is it? Oh, it's that what is it? Personality what is- and. That's really that. Somebody just called me bubbly. You are You're like a ray of sunshine. I don't know. On a cloudy day. I really don't see myself that you way are. though. So You're always smiling. But see that the only trouble is that that's like a gender loaded adjective. Like I've never heard anybody call a man bubbly. No. What do we call? Because most men aren't fucking bubbly. Well, I mean, I suppose they would call them like. Um, what do you? What do you call what? Um, let's think. Like, what would you? Call my husband when he's like on. Mm. Well, charismatic. They suit yeah, use I some kind that of term. term like that. Well, then with gay guys, you call them flamboyant. Yeah, which is like the bubbly equivalent. But I've never heard anybody. I call... don't know. Flamboyant seems a little more like bubbly is more personality. Flamboyant seems like a performance. Yes, <laughs> right. Exactly. That's a good point. Yeah. Edit. I'm always glad when people call me bubbly, but I'm always just like, really? Because I don't no. feel that in my heart. Well, I just love Thank you, though. you and your charismatic, flamboyant, hey, bubbly self. there you go. And I love that I can come over to Susie's house and after, you know, a, a evening of heavy snacking where maybe I'm a little bit bloated, she lets me unbutton my pants and do the podcast with my zipper down. And that's how we're doing episode 201, people. Heavy snacking. I'd like to see that, like footage, live footage of Sarah in full <gasps> snack. Oh mode. my gosh, I didn't even mean for this to be a segue, but this is a perfect segue. It's probably because this was on my mind of a story I have to share with you. Okay. Okay. Did you hear oh, no. about the interview that the PepsiCo CEO did? Her name's Indra N O O Y I. I don't know how to pronounce that. Nui. She is one of the, well, she is the CEO of PepsiCo and one of their products is Doritos. Yeah. Have you heard about this? Uh-huh. The female Doritos? Yeah. Oh my God. Come on. What do you think? I, first I thought it was a joke. Yeah. I thought, so I have to just read you yes. the quote so read all it. of our listeners can, can get on board. <laughs> <laughs> so she was, like I said, in an interview with Freakonomics and she, she suggested that maybe we should be looking at product development that's more geared towards what women's needs are. And she suggested that women don't like to crunch too loudly in public and they don't lick, this is a direct quote, might I add, they don't lick their fingers generously and they don't like to pour the little broken pieces and the flavor into their mouth. So the company's answer was working on developing chips that were low crunch with the same taste profile, but with less of the flavor sticking to your fingers. And it should be purse compatible. What does that mean even? I didn't know about the purse part. I guess when you have the regular bags and you put them in your purse, they all get crunched up. So they turn like, they get ruined in your purse. So maybe a harder, like a Pringles style container. Yeah. Well, the internet is outraged. I'm on board with the... What, the Pringles style container? Yeah, that is handy. They don't break as much. Yeah. I mean, because that's just wasteful. That's just good sense. That's just good sense. (laughs) Right. It's got nothing to do with my vagina. Right. (laughs) I just love the internet's response to this. Yeah. How they were like, hang on, let me write Doritos a nasty letter with my Bic for her pen. (laughs) You know how Bic tried to sell us on those Bic for her pens? Do you think she was just speaking off the cuff or do you think that... 
this was something she really thinks is a great idea? I don't know. I mean, it's tough to say. Maybe, maybe they were thinking about these things and then, I don't know. This is what happens. I've learned so much recently about like how stupid everybody is when they work for companies because there's just too Uh many cooks and all that. Well, and it exists inside of a vacuum. So you don't get that outside influence from group thinks. And yes, it's totally that. Yeah. Nobody wants to say the emperor doesn't have any clothes on. Oh my God. You're so right. So Mm -hmm. when the CEO of PepsiCo is like, maybe we should do like, you know, stuff, but I have to say that (laughs) when I'm into it, well, when for, I always have like, I've always had some inventions in my mind since I was a <laughs> child that I think are just going to be world changing. Yeah. There's one that I won't even share on here because oh I'm a hundred percent convinced it will change. Give me a hint. Elementary schools. Give me a hint. Hmm. It has to do with lids. Okay. Okay. And <laughs> like, I also think single serving cream cheese, but like not Single serving, like in the little Not containers. Have we talked about yes! this? Yes. Yeah, it's and still was... totally a thing. I really think it should be a <laughs> and thing. And I made fun of you, and then everyone was like, Sarah, I love that idea. See? Yeah. Um, so I used to say that Cheeto, they should invent Cheetos with the cheese on the inside instead of the outside so it doesn't turn your fingers orange. That's a great idea. Which is essentially what she's saying. Yeah. But, so, but mm-hmm. that you think that should be for all humankind. Because <laughs> everybody, nobody likes Dorito. Or, or the dust. Cheeto t- dust. And then you can always tell who ate it because they wipe it on their pants. Yeah, the same person who's eating Cheetos is definitely not using a napkin. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to judge all Cheeto eaters, but. <laughs> right. I do love Cheetos. Yeah. Do you like Cheetos Cheeto better or cheese puffs? You know, mm. like the softer. Yeah. More like white trash. I think I like cheese puffs better. They're so good. Both They're are good. So, now I'm really the hungry balls, for Doritos. The cheese balls. See, I don't like those. Oh, just the puffs. Yeah. Huh. I wonder why. I wonder why too. Too crunchy. It gets squished in your purse. (laughs) (laughs) And I like the ratio of cheese to cheese stuff to regular stuff. We don't even know what the regular stuff is. Right. I think it's corn. Corn, I guess. (laughs) Chip. Corn product. Yeah. Chip. It's like a puffed up. Do you like Doritos though? Yes. Yeah, me too. What's your favorite flavor? Cool Ranch Daw. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I could go Cool Ranch too. I mean, I'm not going to eat it at a party. Because you know it's pretty bad for the breath. Oh, I never think about that. But you know what? It is. You can yeah. always like Dorito breath is strong. Do you eat Doritos with dip ever? No, because I feel like it's already. It's like you can't do that. And definitely don't try the nacho Doritos in any kind of dip because the dust gets into the dip and then it contaminates it. I know what you're saying. You know, it, yeah, like leaves an wrong. orange trail behind. But I did, however, try that somebody brought in, we had a little potluck for Valentine's Day at my school and, um, oh my God, Susie just killed a fly in midair. She's really proud of herself. I feel like I have to share. I'm so happy. The reason (laughs) why, I'll just interrupt you to say the reason why my house has these little, I call them bar flies. You think that's so funny is because (laughs) I am a wino and today we are so lucky because we're drinking Bright Cellars wine, which is my abso Hello. delivery service for wine. It's a monthly wine subscription, but it was designed by these MIT grads who put their brains to good use, created a bright points algorithm, algorithm of wine, where the scores you get match with certain wines, and then they send them to your house. You take the quiz, you get the taste profile, blah, blah, blah. It is so awesome. And they are offering our listeners a discount of 50% off your first box of wine. 50% off wine? I mean... Hello. What the heck? It's so good, too. I have tr- found some of my favorite labels. Yeah, it's all the stuff you can't get at the store. Yeah, it's the really good producers. Right, like you pointed out, they have like boutique yes. labels and different kinds that you wouldn't find just companies you know. that aren't spending all of their money on advertising and things that don't matter are the kind of wine that you get in here that are good and they spend their money on the stuff in the bottle it's so and you get to drink good it. and i just switched because i've i've become a white girl yeah that happens every now and then i'm a white girl that loves white <laughs> it, all of a sudden and i think it's because i'm getting old and the red's a little too much for yeah, my old yeah, hangover head yeah, yeah. um but 
you can go to brightsellers.com. And by the way, that's like bright sellers, like a wine seller, not like seller of a product. Yeah. So brightsellers.com and take that quiz to see what matches for you. And then you get 50% off your first shipment by going to brightsellers.com slash brain candy. So make sure that you do that with the slash brain candy on there to get that offer. Um, so cheers to that. Heck yeah. Ching. Oh. And I, Insert wine. wine I cheers. didn't want to Play risk care. spilling it, so I did the pretend cheers. But uh, yeah, so that's fun. Any hoodles. I interrupted you, so carry on with Oh, your... I mean, now it's just no, like... You, no, I didn't want to ruin your flow. You said you wanted to tell me something. Well, I mean, we already talked about It was Doritos. something over there. You were like about to read something. Oh, no. I mean, that's for later. But... Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So it was probably good timing. Yeah, totally good timing. <clears throat> All right. Let me tell you some stuff. Yeah. Um, what color Ooh. is a tennis ball? Oh, like lime green, yellow green. Well, which one? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it's a mix. It's like lime, it's yellowish green, okay. but bright lime, like like neon. I know. This what's, is the thing. What's the problem? It's the same color as <laughs> like a, problem, a highlighter. <laughs> okay. That we but have a like highlighter. A more green. I know. I totally agree. What are they saying? I'm wrong? Yeah. What so, the heck? Okay. So Lies. Uh, there, <laughs> there was an article in the Atlantic about the color of a tennis ball. Oh, goodness. And, it, you know, there had been a... I think someone did a Twitter poll and it was like this big debate. Is it yellow or is it green? Is it yellow or is it green or okay. is it other? Uh-huh. And... It was pretty much split between yellow and green, and then 4% said other. I probably would have picked other because I, I agree with you that it's like a greenish yellow yeah. lime yeah. is the color I would think. But then the author of this article decided he was going to get to the bottom of it. I love people <laughs> that get to the bottom of stuff. So he first he contacted all the makers of these tennis <gasps> balls. Cool. And was like, what color are these damn balls? And what did they say? Oh, my God. Optic yellow. Okay. And... The, so these balls used to be white and black until the television oh. televised games came along. Oh my gosh. And they couldn't see the ball. So they were like, well, it should be yellow, which is the what the most recognizable color by human eye. Uh, interesting. And so... I guess the word optic yellow sounds like it's, it's like something you're going to be able to see easily. Yeah, it probably just means neon like you said. Yeah. But... And so that was so interesting to me because though... For me, it seemed more green, but I'm not a tennis player or a tennis watcher. I got to text my husband right now and see what he says. Yeah. See if he writes back and say, just maybe you should give him those three choices, yellow, green, or other and see what he says. I will. So go ahead. Okay. So then he contacted like people who study color, (laughs) which is so cool. Yes. And they were talking about how we... Color is subjective, of course, and that oftentimes we designate something a color based on when it's most important to us. And the best example oh. of this would be the banana yeah. because they start green, they end up brown, but we all think of a banana as yellow. Yes, we do. Right. And you know what? They don't even stay yellow for that long. No, but that's when we usually eat them. So that's yes. when it matters to us. And so um, the, he was associating that phenomenon with the way that we can't decide about the tennis ball. I suspect that if you play or watch tennis, you're more likely to say yellow. I do neither. And so I said green, green. but they were talking about more advanced theories, which, you know, the old, uh, debate about the dress on Twitter. Yep. What color did you see it as? The blue and the black. Okay. And I saw it as white and gold. Yeah. And they were saying that people that tend to be night owls, their eyes <gasps> do a certain thing that oh makes God. them cancel out warmer colors or whatever, and that they're more likely to see the dresses black. And I'm and a night blue. owl. Yeah. And Susan, they're more likely to here. see the ball as green. Get out of town. I yeah. know my husband says yellow. <gasps> he says yellow. See? But he said, but it's more like a lemon lime. Yeah, I mean, it's not straight up yellow. I don't know who's pretending that. Yeah, he said yellow. See, but he and plays he's a tennis, tennis every day. Every day. And he probably watches matches more yep, than we do. Totally. And so that made sense. Wow. And I was really intrigued by that because... We can have to put up a poll. Yes. 
Right. We'll do it before this episode yes. comes out so we see the results. And then you go, oh, ooh, this is so exciting. But I think that that's a, a fascinating idea because we like to imagine color as it's either a color or it's right, not. Right, right. And then that dress thing happened and people started thinking more about it, yeah. I think, in the general public. Um, but the weird thing about yellow, too, is that even though, like, if you have, let's say, one of those Pantone mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. spectrums, mm-hmm. people um, are most likely to identify yellow, like, as this, like, everyone agrees, here's what yellow is, where yeah. the other ones are kind of, like, debatable. Uh-huh. But if you remove all the other colors and just show a yellow swatch, they debate like we're doing about the tennis ball. I'm, like interesting, like there's no really... context. There's yeah, no, you don't see it compared to yeah something else. Yeah. Well, I wonder also if this could be gendered, because color is. Why? Tell me about that. Women can see darker shades of red. We can see more shades of red, and men can see deeper shades of blue. So if I were to put up, and we this has been tested and tested over and over again, and it's believed that it goes back to. Um, you know, like hunter-gatherer times when women were the ones who were looking at the berries, gathering berries, and they had to determine which ones were poisonous, which ones weren't. So they were able to see subtle differences between shades of red. Like if they, they've tested where they put up that same like like color like spectrum that'll be divided up into very clearly like eight different sections, but men will only be able to see it divided up into about four sections or six sections where a woman will be able to say, Oh yeah, there are eight squares of red. More nuanced. And yes. And women, it's the opposite for uh, blue. So men, men are able to see, and that's because they were navigating the seas and looking at the sky to determine like their positioning and things like that. So they were able to see deeper shades of red. So, or, or blue. So if I put a, dark, dark, dark blue, almost black piece of paper in front of Adam, he'd be like, oh yeah, that's dark blue. I put it in front of you, you'd say that's black. Right. Or I'd say like, you know how sometimes you can wear like navy shoes with a black shirt and nobody knows Uh because like they're so similar. Men will notice. (gasps) That's terrifying. Uh Uh-huh. Wow. Wait, what did you say is the reason women are good at red? Because the 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 gathering the berries, oh, berries and making sure things yeah. aren't poisonous and there really is like a subtle difference between this berry may kill you and this berry may not kill you yeah and so they needed to learn and that's that I mean that's wow. what people who are like anthropologists um, but I first saw that on the show Brain Games and they sure enough tested it and I was like able to see all the red and I was not able to see the blue and I was like what? no way yeah so there are gender differences in color huh you know what would be interesting though to test it on individuals who are transgender and see if there's any like yeah oh i wonder right and we were just talking about that sort of like um the gaydar with the computer yeah and maybe people don't want to test stuff like that because it's too it's like taboo or whatever yeah. too like but i think it would give us a lot of insight into what happens in our brains, like if there is a switch or if there isn't a switch or, you know, who knows? Mm, that's very interesting. One thing that does have tons of color options is Brooklyn and Sheets. Oh, and beautiful, the, which will always stay the shade of blue you want, no matter how many times you put them in the washing machine. I know this. <laughs> you love that. You always say that. Yeah, because a lot of I know. crappy ones fade and then it's a different color that doesn't go with my room anymore. I know. I totally agree. And what I love about them is that you can get like one, let's say you get, um, polka dot sheets, then you can get striped pillowcases so and cute. stuff. I think that mix and matchy and thing is linen so cute. Ones. Hello. Yeah. They, they have sets, they have, you can buy them individually, whatever you're into. And these sheets are the greatest sheets I've ever owned. And I feel more well rested because I'm not all scratchy, badatchy. Um, but they usually when you buy high end quality bedding, it's marked up like three hundred percent because uh-huh. there's middlemen and all that jazz. But you can buy these direct, so you can get a great deal on really high quality sheets. Winner of best online bedding category for good housekeeping. It's a luxury bedding, but it's underpriced, so you have to try the sheets. Try the damn sheets! Uh, I love my Brooklyn and Sheets. Try them, and you'll love them too. Brooklyn.com has an exclusive offer just for our listeners. Get twenty dollars off and free shipping when you use promo code Brain at Brooklyn.com.
We have had a lot of listeners say they are loving theirs. In fact, Brooklinen is so confident you'll love yours that they'll offer a risk-free 60-night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters. There's no reason not to give them a try. The only way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code BRAIN at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code BRAIN. Brooklinen, these sheets are the best ever. Um, yes. And did you see there was a tweet from Splats Amo who said her parents still had new kids in the box uh, Yes, I sure did. I told her that she needs to take those sheets off, frame them, and boom, new art, and put I, some Brooklyn It's in funny on that you said that because that was my first thought. Really? Cut it, yeah. Yes. Make it a piece of art. It would be cool. So cute. Like, wrap it around a canvas. It, it would be like a throwback, like, uh, you know. Yeah. Did you ever enjoy the new kids on the block music? No, I wasn't allowed, Sarah. Oh, it's you and your Jesus. harvest parties. and <laughs> How do you remember that? <laughs> How did you remember? That's oh, hilarious. Because you know what? The real exciting stories, they just stick right in there. So <laughs> they absorb. I loved the new kids on the block. And I remember that all the older kids liked them, but I was like, I was yeah, you were young, young, but still like wanted to be cool with the older kids. So I would fib and say that I went to a New Kids on the Block concert. Oh my god! For like a long it's time. It's really sweet what kids lie about. Yeah, it was like I lied and said my first concert was a New Kids on the Block concert, but the truth is the first concert was a In Sync concert. No. <laughs> Who was your favorite New Kid? Um, I think Joey. Yeah, because was- come on. Everybody loved that kid. Uh-huh. I just love that. First time was a sick time. Sick time was blessed. Third time I fell in love. Now it's gone unless you've got the right stuff. Baby. I mean, it's so good. Who was so writing good. those tunes? Oh, I don't know. Oh, Dan- oh, was that that star guy? Oh, Do you remember oh, that guy? Oh. Darren Starr, I think his name was. He was like their manager or something. Oh, no, I don't. Were they like, under the thumb of that weird guy? Uh, I don't think the so. I think, I think they were before that. Lou and that was Reed, just, that, that was, yes. No, it can't no be. it's not Perlman. That. Perlman, yeah. <laughs> I pulled his He's super up. gross, though. Lou Reed. Ugh. God. Yeah, he's dead, though. So. Oh, thank goodness. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, he, well, not thank goodness, but he looked like he probably is creepy. Yeah. Like he could have Harvey Weinstein somebody. Well, I think there was some of that going I on. think so, too. So, good riddance. Good riddance. There you go. Wow, that was a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else do you want to talk about? Mm, this is... We can ca- oh fa- uh, um, file this under a duh, <laughs> but there were Finnish... Doi. Right? There were Finnish neuroscientists, and I just love this because I thought the first thing it made me think of was our podcast, Finnish neuroscientists who basically confirmed what we already know that laughter amongst friends increases all the good stuff in your brain. Oh, no doubt. Right? Like I didn't need Finnish neuroscientists to research that for me. What was the debate? Uh, Nobody thought this was bad for you. Yeah, that's a good point. They just wanted to make, they wanted to use PET scans, which like, you know, they didn't use before to detect shifts in the release of opioid peptides, like endorphins and you know, all that other good stuff. Um, so yeah, so they studied it and they were like, yeah, turns out laughing with your friends, really good for the brain. Also good for healing. So like laughter is the best medicine is totally true. Right. But we like already knew that. I mean, but it was good enough to put in my psychology today magazine. So. I do think people don't do enough laughing. And, and you know what? I've been like, I, sometimes I go on these kicks where I watch really dark TV shows and movies. Like we turned on my Netflix account and Landon was like, what the hell evil stuff do you, are you watching? Everything really was funny. like criminal minds and mind hunter and like all these documentaries where it's like child kidnapped and like murder. <laughs> and he's like, I can't take any of this. This looks so different than mine. This is yeah. all like Dungeons and Dragons y. Oh, right. Which I Adam's also roll my eyes. Yeah, yeah, it's like looking at people's Netflix accounts, like don't, you can't, mine's documentaries and just horrible, creepy stuff. So the other day he was like, can you just watch something that's not, put on Moana. So I did, and everything was fine. Maybe it makes sense though, because you laugh a lot just in your life. Oh, oh like I need the balance. Yeah. So maybe for you, it's like, I'm going to chill out and like just watch. Yeah. 
And I did read an article. I mean, I don't know where it is or I can't cite it at all correctly now, <laughs> but I know that the, the, the takeaway was that women tend to like shows like Law & Order SVU and be, because it gives us closure. We talked about it. Oh. That's where you got it. There we go. Yeah. I'm so glad you're absorbing all this stuff we say. <laughs> that's so encouraging. Yeah. If I am, maybe the other people out yeah. there are too. Because, yes, when you started saying that about those are the shows you're into and how, you know, we all know so many women especially that are into those shows mm-hmm. and you would think it would be upsetting. Right. But it has the opposite yep. effect. It's like, oh, good. Empowering yes. too. Like people feel like, what would I do in that situation? Yes. Whatever. Yes. Yeah, man, you're really learning a lot. Thanks sure to bring <laughs> podcast. Here's a fun story for you. Yeah. I mean, it's not fun, but it's fun that I get to tell you. Oh, I love it already. Did you read about the loneliest bird in the world dying? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. This is so sad. So the loneliest here's bird. The story. Is it like the kiwi who can't fly? No, it was a bird. They're called um, gannets, which I had never heard so of that lonely. kind. Well, uh, there is an island called Mana uh-huh. where they were trying to lure all these gannets to the island for some reason. And they built all, I think, 80 decoy gannets to attract the birds. Mm-hmm. Only one took the bait. So he lived his life amongst a, amongst bunch. a bunch of concrete birds. Oh. And one particular he fell in love with. Oh, oh, I'm so sad. <laughs> he courted this bird He's putting all every day. Into it. And obviously she did not reciprocate. Right. And he has since died of a broken of a heart. heart. <laughs> of course it is. This is so sad. But it's it, weird. And I wonder, I would love to know what made that bird. Yeah you know, attracted to the decoys and why the others didn't. I think the others are just, cause I think birds are smarter than we think. Except for that one. Except that one. So maybe he was like a little, uh-uh. like just, you know. Right. Not the smartest gannet in the in nest. The, in the flock. Flock. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. All right. Some birds are really smart, but then some birds kind of dumb. Yeah. Do you think there's like, what if the, we know crows are smart, but yeah. like. Who are the dumb ones? That's a good... You know, I've been on a kick of watching... Because I had to change up from my serial yeah. killer TV shows. <laughs> so I was watching Planet Earth, the second season or yeah. series. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah, people are going they, bananas for that. It's phenomenal. I mean, I, I, it's so good. I can't even describe to you the shots that they get. And everything is just so fantastic and so they have a lot on birds on there and they did a whole episode on cities and birds that are in the city and Mm. like uh pigeons i kind of put them in the dumb category because pigeons now there's a a, i think it's in france in the rivers in france there's a catfish that's been introduced to that river that now has usually catfish feed along the bottom of the yeah the you know, yes. lit, where, water, body of water. Yeah. Well, now these catfish have learned new hunting techniques where they catch pigeons that are bathing in the sides of the riverbanks. No. And they swim up and they just eat these pigeons like whole. So the pigeons are dumb and they're falling for, they're like being caught by fish. But <laughs> the smart ones in New York City are falcons. And New York City has one of the largest, the largest population of falcons anywhere in the world. It's a specific kind of falcon that I can't remember, but they are really, really super high up and they also eat pigeons. So pigeons, kind of the dumb ones, I think. Yeah. And gross. Lowest on the totem pole. Have you, I feel like I've seen a picture of you at that place in, I guess it's England where the pigeons all eat off of you. You know, that plate, that square. Yeah. Have you been there or did I imagine that? that? Um, I believe that I have a picture in some kind of square in, I want where was I? Were there birds in involved? Italy? And I think there were birds, Maybe it but is I Italy. definitely wasn't feeding them because they kind of weird. You know, those ones out. that land on you oh, in that hell square. No. That's not me. Do you know where I mean? Where there's just birds everywhere. Everyone goes, yeah, it's a tourist it's, thing. And well, then the birds land on you and you know, it's like a whole thing. Hmm. I think this happens in many places. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because Rome has been taken over by birds. Oh, my God. Like, taken 
over. Why? Oh my gosh, that was also on planet Earth. Like when you see <laughs> what these these swarms, it I almost like looks it. creepy. It's there's a reason why that was Alfred Hitchcock horror. It film. is t- a bunch of birds is terrifying, and so the birds. Um, it's warmer in the cities at night. So the birds during the day will go to the countrysides and they'll eat all the you know bugs and they'll do all their thing. But then at nighttime, they all return to the city and they sleep in the city. So these fill the trees, right? It gives, kind of gives it's you the so heebie-jeebies. Gross. When I show you, and I absolutely will show you, <laughs> the, fo- the pictures or the videos of the swarms of them, it looks like something out of an apocalyptic, like they're definitely plotting. They're taken over and the, the amount of, bird doo-doo is just a dodo it's yeah i don't like any swarms well who does who's like i'm for swarms <laughs> nobody they're all creepy it gives you the heebie-jeebies it should <laughs> sometimes like it's almost like you're so funny <laughs> that i don't even like i have to just i shut down because i'm just like <laughs> that is so funny to me oh right we're oh. anti-swarm I think it's like biblical, you know, like the lo- the locust and the plagues. Plagues. Yeah, it man. feels like it's not Ew, right. It's plaguey for sure. Yeah. It feels like it just isn't supposed to be like that. Well, what I am in favor of though is food delivered to my door. Then you don't have to worry about, you know, HelloFresh. Tacked by birds on the way home yeah. from the grocery store. <laughs> HelloFresh is so convenient. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with their recipes and It's delivered to your door on the day that you choose. They have all kinds of flexibility. If you're a vegetarian or if you have a big family or whatever, you can pick what you need. And it's super simple. It's not complicated. The meals can be made in 30 minutes, like Rachel Ray, for Pete's sake. Easy breezy. My son helps. We've learned about different um, ingredients that we never would have tried. It's just really, it's more fun, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it's more family-centered, in my opinion. I didn't know I liked radishes. Right? But I do. They yeah. made a really good, um, uh, like, tacos, almost like street tacos with like radishes and shrimp. And, oh, yes, I love radishes. You get stuck in a rut when you go to the grocery store because, yeah. like, you know, you buy the same stuff every time. And this is a way to get out of that rut, try different things. And they're offering our listeners 30 bucks off their first week of HelloFresh if you go to HelloFresh.com and use promo code BRAINCANDY30. So you get 30 bucks off. I always feel like just try it. And see what you think. And I think you'll agree that it's super convenient and you can get it, you know, delivered in the pace that you like and all that stuff. So go to HelloFresh.com and use code BRAINCANDY30 for that $30 off deal. Uh, I have friends who did it, a couple who got the family size one and then used all the extra to pack their lunches the next day. And it was like a two for two for yeah, one deal. It's like, a great deal anyway, but I agree that there was, for me, there were leftovers and then we could make another yeah, meal out of it, yeah. which is super great. Oh yeah. Cause you got the, you got a kid. Yeah. I do have a kid, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> He's all right. We'll keep him. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you have anything you want to share before I introduce our guest? Ooh, introduce our guest. Yeah. She, it's today? really fun. So, and this, let me say this too, because we're kind of doing like, almost like a trilogy. So today we're talking to Sarah Stone Smith, who was a winner, quote unquote winner of The Bachelor uh, many years ago. And she wanted to just talk to us about the show and why maybe it's not exactly what you see on TV, which, you know, again, we know that. But a lot of people just take it for granted that this is, you know, unscripted, so it must be real. And she talks about like why it's it's not exactly what you think and what her thoughts are now all these years later, what it was like for her after when she was with this guy that she had only dated on television and then whatever and what happened in that uh, chaos. And then next week we – or I should say next episode, we are having – um, Josh Murray on who was on the bachelor as well. He was, he's sort of known as a villain. And then he went on to do champs versus pros, which is in the challenge category arena. And he is not, doesn't have a lot of good things to say about the bachelor either. Well, I guess he was on the bachelorette and then bachelor in paradise. And then the third in the third uh, episode, I'm interviewing Amy Kaufman who wrote a book called bachelor nation and it goes 
kind of like oh behind gosh. the scenes of that. So I don't, I, it was not on purpose, but we're, if be- you are a bachelor yeah, fan, we have three episodes in a row where we're going to talk about this show because there's more to it than just sort of like, it's a dating show. It's fun. It's a, a guilty pleasure. It's like, involves a lot of cultural yeah. stuff, like why we're into well, it. Well, the same way we're able to unpack a lot of the stuff that happens in the challenge, these people are able to do the same for The Bachelor, and you can see sides of it that and think about it in ways that you normally wouldn't as a viewer. Yeah, and it doesn't mean, like, I, I'm not interested in just, like, poo-pooing people's shows. Yeah. I just want to learn more about it mm-hmm. and see, like, how these things are made, why they're so appealing to the public, you know, what people get out of them and then like what it's like to be on them. Cause yeah. I can't even imagine totally different. I'm sure for every reality show. Yes. So please welcome to this show, Sarah Stone Smith from the bachelor. And let's hear what she has to say. Hello. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks, I have a lot thanks. of questions for you. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause my co-host and I both have a reality background. So I was really intrigued by your story uh-huh. And so I kind of want, will you start at the beginning with me? The beginning of how I got on the show? Yeah, and, like and I want to like get to start at the beginning and work our way forward. Well, how it happened for me was I was teaching school. I was teaching kindergarten and a friend of mine in Nashville was kind of doing the PR for the casting that was going to be going on in Nashville because they were there casting for looking for girls to be on the show. Okay. So the Friday night, they were going to be at this restaurant called The Boundary. And we had plans to go to dinner there. And then we found out that they're there casting for The Bachelor. And I was like, "Mm, yeah, we're not going there because there's going to be crazy women all over the place. Like, we're not doing it. No. (laughs) Wait, had you seen the show? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had seen the show. um, Not, I mean, I was a fan. You know, I loved, like, Jen Chef and kind of the beginning of it all. Yeah. Um, I don't watch it now, if that says anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, so... Anyway, so I promised my friend we would go Sunday, which was the last day. It was the final call. They had already kind of narrowed it down, and it was in a hotel. It wasn't quite the same thing. So we go, and we're watching these people getting cast. You know, they're filling out the forms, and I ask, can I see one of the forms? So I'm standing back with one of the uh, casting, I guess, directors, and I'm reading the questions that they're asking these girls. And it was like, describe your ideal date and your, you know, ideal mate and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I, he would totally sweep me up. We'd get in a hot air balloon with champagne and, you know, travel across the vineyards of California <laughs> and all this stuff. And so somebody comes and taps me on the shoulder and says, can we see you in the hallway? And I was like, oh my gosh, I have totally offended these people. <laughs> like, this is their job. This is their life. And here I am making fun of it. So <laughs> They take me in the hall and they say, hey, uh, we want you on the show. Stop it. I was like, no, listen, I am a school teacher. Like, no, not going to be on The Bachelor. And they say, no, we're filming in Paris, France. Like, you get to go. Like, all expenses paid. Like, come on, pack your bags. And I was like, hmm, well, I have really nothing else going on here. (laughs) So, sure, I'll go. So, next thing I know, I was in L.A. It was down to 50 girls. Um, I left L.A. thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be on this show. Uh, they called me the next day. A few weeks later, I was off to Paris. And mm-hmm. were you thinking like, okay, this is a fun adventure, no big whoop? Or were you like, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? No, it was. At first it was like, oh, super fun, you know, no big deal. And about two days before I left for Paris, um, I had my hair was really blonde at the time. And a casting director called and said, hey, um, we're just thinking there's a lot of blondes on the show. So you may want to kind of think about going back a little more natural. No way. Yeah. So I call my hairdresser and I'm like, listen, dude, you got to get me in. (laughs) I mean, I got to get some of this blonde out of my hair. So I go, I'm sitting in his chair. He like turns me around. My hair is completely brown and I just have a meltdown, like a total meltdown. I'm going to Paris. My hair's brown, you know? Oh my God. So that was the first time I think I kind of had like my freak out moment. Like this is really happening. Like I'm really doing this. And did you think, okay, well I'm doing it. So why not see if I can fall in love? Yeah. But then once I got there, I realized how did these people fall in love on these shows? Like I never knew, really got to know Travis until the end of the show when it was already down to like four girls. Yeah. So, and I see these people that get engaged at the end of the show and I'm like, I, you don't even know the person. Like if you're going to fall in love with somebody on a reality show, it's probably going to be the sound guy, the director <laughs> or producer, like somebody behind the scenes. You don't have sure. to tell me. 
<laughs> That's who I married. Are you kidding? I married my sound guy. Oh my gosh. Oh, shut up. Because I was in love with my sound guy. <laughs> See? There's um, something about the crew because they're like the forbidden fruit too. Yeah. Yeah. And they become your friends and that's yeah. who you totally lean on. And, um, I remember our, my kiss with Travis that Jason, I think his name was Jason. I don't even know. I'll call him Jason now. <laughs> I can't remember what his name was, but I was in love with him at the time. And he was laying down on my feet, like the whole time with a mic, boom, between Travis and I kissing. Like, no. <laughs> yes. Yes. This I'm is thinking, even oh, weirder than so I imagined. Off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 So what do you think it was about you that made you and Travis have a connection or make him choose you or whatever happened? What do you think well, it was? We were both from Nashville. And mm -hmm. so I think that in the show, when we were there filming, you know, you, in a reality show, you're removed from everybody and everything. And we just had a lot in common. And I think that I was probably a safe choice for him looking back, you know, and we just, like I said, we had a lot in common and it wasn't like, oh, we've fallen in love here on the show. It was more like, let's go back to Nashville and get out of away from this and see if there's really something and see if we could fall in love in reality. Right. And from what I understand during the course of filming for you, what was meaningful were the relationships you made with the women. Yes. Yes. And that's what bothers me more than anything about this show is the cattiness that you see across the TV and people are always like, Oh, the girls are so mean. They're vicious. They're fighting. And for me, it was not like that at all. And I actually remember sitting down with uh, some of the producers. We were down to six women and we were about to leave for a rose ceremony. And we were all sitting around with everybody and laughing about how this show, we had no drama. No one's been in a big fight. And they are laughing like, no, no, you girls don't even understand how much drama we have and how great this, this season is going to be. And then you watch it back and there's so many like eye rolling and huffing and puffing and drama that, I mean, there might've been a little bit there, but it just looks so intense. And so just, ugh. do you think that, cause the, over the course of this series, it's become like this whole other thing. Like it started as this sort of novelty mm -hmm. and it was so fun because it's so weird and whatever is going to happen. But now it feels like a bigger beast. Is that your perception? Yes. And that's why I have a hard time watching it now because I think they've gotten away. The bachelor has away from what it started as, where it was true, like people out like reality people that come together to find love. And now it's like, let's see who we can find who has 2000 followers on Instagram <laughs> And put them all together and we'll do, make a game show. We'll, we'll put them all in bikinis and let them fight for this guy. We'll right. See what happens, you know? Do you think that there's a difference between the, the tone of The Bachelor versus The Bachelorette? I mean, I, all of it, though, I feel it's just more of like it's a game show now. Mm -hmm. So I don't like the fact that these women are doing these things and not saying and standing up for themselves and saying like, no, I'm not going to do this or that. I'm, yes. We're going to make out the first time I've never met you, but like, yeah, sure. I'll totally grope you and make out with you on a couch. Yeah. And they don't even know the person. It's like the first night. So my co-host and I talk a lot about how, cause it's similar on the show that we were on the challenge. We're not competing for love, but because they recycle cast members and now the bachelor does that too with bachelor in paradise mm -hmm there's an incentive to misbehave and to be outrageous exactly. and to be unkind and slutty, if you want to call it that, mm -hmm. um, because you want to be asked back. Exactly. And I think too, the incentive now that the goal is not to win, it's become the next bachelorette. Like yeah. there's a girl on the show now and she's, I, I hear she's not the winner, but she's the perfect bachelorette. She's done everything right. She's gorgeous. She's probably saying everything the producers want her to say. She's falling in love with this guy. America loves her now. So I think she will be the next Bachelorette. How do you know as a cast member what the producers want from you? Did you have a sense? Yes. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the show, there were several times they were trying to get me to say how much I love Travis and, and to give them more of the feely feely. And they turned to me and they say, you know, America's got to love you. America, America needs to be behind you. So, so you've got to give, you've got to give them this, you know, because they don't want somebody who's cold and doesn't care because they are going to invest in you. 
So the more you give them, the more America will be behind you. Did you feel that sort of pressure? Um, you know, at the time, it was more about working hard and making like a good show. Yeah. And looking back on that, that's what upsets me probably more than anything. There were a few times that I gave in to them, and that's what haunts me are those moments. So kind of speaking out now, like I would tell anybody, go do these shows, go and have fun, but stand up for yourself. And, you know, it's okay to say no, and you don't have to do everything they say, because it will, it will haunt you forever. That just gave me chills, because I've experienced it myself. You have a feeling where you don't want to disappoint the producers and your, these people that you've grown to like, mm-hmm. and you don't want to disappoint the audience. Right. Mm-hmm. But... We, my, our show, we started saying the phrase stop being polite because they use that to cast members, like stop being polite and start getting real. Why don't we do that with like every day? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. And the pr- way the production works and what you feel comfortable with and you don't let's do that right. all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What it was for I you. I do think that the producers have a responsibility in that too, because I think that this show in particular has kind of gotten away from from like how you would really meet someone and how you would build a relationship with someone. And it's like I said, it's more about the games that they're playing. Like let's put everybody in a bikini, let them mud wrestle and the winner gets the final rose, you know, that sort of thing. Don't you hate, I hate when people say, you know what you were getting into Mm -hmm. because I don't don't. know. (laughs) No, you don't. (laughs) What do you feel? Uh Yeah. Like you think you have a sense, but how could you really? Right. Right. And, you know, something that I was not prepared for was after the show. Um, I think that that's probably the hardest part, I would say, for most reality stars, what happens afterwards, because you're not prepared for what's to come. And these people who have been your whole support system, you know, the producers and the executives and all that stuff, that's who you talk to. That's who your family became. And all of a sudden, like for me, they all turned on me. And it was just like, what? You know, so. Well, um, I got, I kept the ring after it was over. And so the day that Travis and I told them like, look, it's not going to work out. We're not going to do this anymore. Sort of thing. They were like, well, okay. All right. And about 30 minutes later, I got a phone call. They're all pissed. They're all mad. They're telling me better put that ring in a box, ship it back to them like today You know, now I'm in tears because here they are screaming at me, yelling at me, give us the ring back. So I get off the phone, I call Travis and luckily he, you know, he was on my side and that's something that I feel very fortunate that we had one another after the show. He's, he's totally behind me hundred percent. Like, no, you know, you know, that ring was for you. It's not a prop. Like they're saying, um, you don't have to give that ring back. So that kind of helped me stand, stand up to them and say, no, you know, like this is mine. And you're going to have to come get it kind of thing. And they're like, okay, we will. We'll send police to your door and we'll, we'll take that ring from you. Stop like, it. it. So, you know, things like that. And, and who do you talk to about this? Like, who could I have told this to at the time? Like, and it sounds so silly. Like no one would understand. Um, yeah. So I had an attorney look at everything and they're like, no, it's, it's yours. Like that is your ring. So I cannot believe it. that they even said, we're going to send police to your door. Oh yeah. And, the, and it's a prop. It's a prop. The ring is just a prop. You so. know, that says it all, actually, that that's how yeah. they see the ring. Mm-hmm. It's a prop. And so are you, actually. <laughs> yes. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. (laughs) Um, So after you were done and, you know, you're trying to develop this relationship, but, you know, it's the real, real world and, Mm -hmm. you know, it didn't work out. Right. Did you feel like you wish you hadn't done it? The, no, the show? I never, 
I never felt that way because I really did have a great experience and I do look at it like that was the coolest thing. I got to go to Paris and live there. And so I'm really grateful and thankful that I got to do all that. It's just, um, there's things that I look back on, like I said, that I wish I had never done or said, <laughs> um, that still kind of haunt me. And that's really the only thing there was, there's two incidents. One was my fault. One, I feel it's the producer's fault. One, they got me to put rollers in my hair. And I was like, why would I do that? I'm not, I don't sit around with rollers in my hair and like talk about guys. Like that's so <laughs> right. Like pajama party. So stereotypical. Like what? Who does that? Nobody, nobody. Um, so I ended up doing that, like giving in, we were bored one day and I was like, sure, we'll do this little scene for you guys. Put the rollers in my hair and we're all like, Oh, he's amazing. He's just so wonderful. And <laughs> I mean, it like, I watched that and it went on and on and on, you know? <laughs> and then the other part was, um, right the night before the final rose, I was so determined not to cry and not to be that girl who's on the show having a meltdown, you know? And Sure enough, late night, we've been filming all day. I knew we had to be up early. Again, everyone's tired. The producers were like, you know, we're ready to wrap it up. We're, we just, we've got to get a little more from you, Sarah. We've got to get a little more. Uh, producer gets up in my face, is like leaning over me, chewing me out, up and down. Like, why can I not just say that I love him? Why can I not just get that out so we can all go home? Everybody's tired, you know, in my face. So I just start crying. And I, I put my hands down, you know, in my hands and just, there I go. And I hear like, snapping. I look up and my sound guy <laughs> is like, get off the camera, like scoot over. But I mean, it was too late. Not only did they have me crying, they also had me on camera. So the first commercial I ever saw was like me crying. And, you know, it's like the most dramatic bachelor ever. You know, my phone starts ringing. Are you okay? Like what's happened? You know, you know I think that that's a point that a lot of people don't consider is that the schedule of the shooting is so rigorous that you do have emotional breaks that have nothing to do with the relationship part. Nothing. Yes. I mean, you're tired. You've been filming for two days straight. You're hungry. It's it, That's what it is. And that's how they make good TV. Right. So uh, afterwards, your family and friends watch it, you know, but it's already happened to you. What was mm -hmm. the reaction? Did, did you feel like they saw an edit that was accurate? Um, in part. Um, a lot of it, I was the good girl. So, mm. you know, you think you'd be glad that you're the good girl. <laughs> and I was, but there were times when like, if I would say if I'd cuss or if I was out at a bar drinking, you know, people were just like, what you, you're like the good, you're drinking. I can't, oh my even, God. Believe I can't even believe it. You know? And you're like, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah, yeah, I am. Okay. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> right. <laughs> mm -hmm. And did you, did anyone from your family feel like they wished you hadn't done it. No, uh, -uh. Oh, everybody was good. super excited. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were times that I had to explain some things to them, like our kiss. Um, I knew our kiss scene was coming up and you know, you're like, your grandmother's going to be watching and you're like, you're like, yeah, this is the kiss scene. It's, you know, don't forget. It's not, you know, it's not real kind of thing. It was all set up. I'm explaining it to her. And then when I watched it back, um, the music was, you know, like the romantic oh music and the mood lighting is all set and they had, you know, they get different angles of it. So the kiss that we had that lasted, I don't even know, like maybe a few seconds went on and on and on. <laughs> and it was like this angle, that angle, this angle, back to this angle. It was like the most romantic kiss I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> but not the most romantic one you've ever had. Right, right. <laughs> wow. That's really bizarre. How many people are, were on set during that moment, for example? Um, well, I just remember sound guys at my feet. It's <laughs> um, hard life. to forget. Right? <laughs> and, I mean, I would say there's probably 10 people in the room yeah. at the time. Yeah. At least. It's friggin' mm -hmm. weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So did this change, I don't know, how you feel about reality TV or how you consume it? Do you watch yes. anything now? I don't really watch reality TV. It's hard because I can see the set. I can see them walking through the door all facing forward. Like nobody does that. Or, <laughs> you know, how you sit at a table and everybody's kind of angled towards the camera. Like that's not normal, you know? And so I can I pick out things like that and that bothers me. And then when I watch The Bachelor, I'm like, I said the same thing. What, you know, it's like the same words over and over and over again. And, what do you uh, think it is about it that makes it so compelling to people? Because it's, I mean, very popular. 
Yes, still, still, which is right. hard to believe too. I think that people get behind somebody and they just fall in love with that person and they're pulling for them and they're rooting for them and they want them to win and they, they want the villain and they want the good girl and they want all that. And so yeah. it's like you know. an easy escape, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Was there something in particular that made you want to speak out right now? Well, just a kind of a few things. I mean, I speak a lot to like youth, young girls about things like their Instagram accounts and, and putting yourself out there and how it kind of stays with you forever and everything you do. And it's, it, it's going to be with you and <laughs> good or bad. And also same thing with reality TV. They look at these girls and they think, Oh, should we be dating like this? Do we all need to put our swimsuits on and fight over these guys? No, absolutely not. Like that is not who you need to be. You need to say no and don't be that girl that's falling in line and falling all over these guys and sending them guys nudie pictures. And, you know, it just kind of goes on and on and on. And now I'm a mother of three girls myself. And I just, I, I want them to take advantage of opportunities if they come along like this, like, yes, go do it. But be strong, be, be willing to stand up for yourself and, and say no and, and just be a strong woman. It's such a good point because while your experience was very public and Mm -hmm. everybody could see it for any young girl that's deciding whether to send a nude to some guy that can haunt her forever, depending on what that person does with it. Yes, exactly. It really is the same. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, these pictures you put, you're say you're drinking out of a solo cup, you know, and it's water. Well, then all of a sudden it looks like it could be beer or something horrible, you know? And, and then you, what happens is everybody talking about you and then you're upset because it wasn't beer, you know, and now you're the drunk girl or whatever it may be. Um, just something to think about because I just don't think that people think things through when it comes to putting yourself out there. Do you fear what the producers or anybody will say about to you now, or are you just completely separate? I think I'm just completely separate. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not giving a sad story. I'm not complaining about them. You know, like I said, I had a great experience and I had a lot of fun doing the show and I got to do some great things. But at the same time, I mean, I feel like that these women need to know more about what they're getting into and what's going to happen after the show. Whenever you're a married woman now, right? Yes. When you met your husband, what was his feeling about your experience on the show? And did he know about it? He knew about the show. He did not watch it, although I don't believe him. I think he may have been watching it. <laughs> um, but we knew each other before the show. So um, for him, like, he would go into work and he said everybody was, like, talking about it. He was like, oh, yeah, I know that girl, you know. Yeah. So, uh, he said that was kind of weird more than anything. And then when we first started dating, we'd go places and people were like, well, you're not Travis. Like, who are you? God. <laughs> so I think that was probably the hardest and most weird thing for him. But now, I mean, he just thinks it's just was something I did, you know, just kind of part of it. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, what year was it that you were on? 2006. Okay. So you kind of were like me. You kind of dodged the bullet of social media to exactly. a certain mm-hmm. extent. Mm-hmm. Are you glad? I'm very glad. Yeah. Very glad. I look back on where I was at that point too, you know, late twenties, what I was doing. And I cannot imagine if people were following me around with cameras and, you know, and posting it and putting it out there. Right. And, and I see trouble, like the, you know? the, um, the memes and the gifts that they make out of the people that are on the show Yeah, and how you get reduced to a three second silly face you made. Mm-hmm. On TV oh. one time. One time. Yeah, that's all it takes. Uh-huh. And, you know, also, I remember they had the chat rooms and stuff going on when I did it. And I would read those things. And they were so hurtful. And people were like, oh, my gosh, if she wears her hair in a ponytail one more time, you know, at the rose ceremony, I'm just going to vomit all over myself. <laughs> and you're like, oh, we'll just wait till the next week because my hair is in ponytail. My hair will be in a ponytail at the rose ceremony. So, right. Bad news. Go ahead. <laughs> you know? And, but after a while you, you do kind of have to quit reading that stuff because it is so hurtful and even more so now, like you're saying with Instagram and all these things coming out in their faces and it's just played over and over and over again. I will say that I notice, especially with the bachelor franchise, and I don't know why that is, but they're able to make a complete living out of doing the show, even if they didn't make it to the end, like with their Instagram ads and stuff like that. That is so bizarre to me. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> on the show, it'll say like so-and-so dentist or whatever their job is, but then that's over as soon as the show comes out. Yes. Yeah. And you're like selling shampoo and stuff. Yeah. Skinny tea. I'm just like, I mean, no, I don't judge them. I'm just sort of like, that is a really weird thing that's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the social media. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you're speaking out though. And I'm, I think your message is so important because you're not demonizing the, the, the experience or the show. You're just saying have discernment about how you behave, the choices you make and stand up for yourself. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you want to set straight before I let you off the hook (laughs) or anything else you want to share? I mean, I could talk for hours. (laughs) Right. It's like therapy. That's how I feel. It kind of is. It kind of is. Yeah. Get it off your chest. Mm -hmm. Do you, do you talk to the gals or your ex from the show? I talked to a few of them and, um, Travis and I stayed in touch for a while because we were both in Nashville. Um, but you know, as time goes on, life happens and you know, he got married, he's divorced. I think he's engaged again. And you know, I got married, you know, three girls. So I'm a little busy, you know, (laughs) you're (laughs) solid, but you, you guys sound like it's cordial. There's no hard feelings, no hard feelings at all. And like I said, I'm really, I feel really blessed that I had such a good guy and I got lucky there because we were able to support one another through it because I really didn't have anybody else to turn to because um, you can't talk about the show and that sort of thing. So I, he was a great support for me, and I hope that I did the same for him. Yeah, because, I was yeah. going to say, like, I'm sure he feels like he could have gotten with somebody that wasn't quite as stable and healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that helped, what helped us, too, was we were in the same town. So we had decided, you know, after the final rose, they kind of sent us off on what I call, like, the honeymoon. Um, we were basically kind of stuck in a hotel room for a few days before we came back to the States. And uh, we decided there that we would go and meet in this park. And it's the same place we both hiked, and we so we knew it well. So we met on this rock <laughs> on this trail, and we would go and meet there the first Thursday we met was right when we got back. We were like rain, snow, whatever, we're meeting. And of course that morning it's like blizzard conditions outside. I'm like, oh, he better be there. Listen, listen, if I'm bundling up and going on this hike, he better be on that rock sitting there. And uh, sure enough, he was there. And so we started meeting and we weren't supposed to, you know, we were only supposed to talk to one another on a cell phone, a number that they had given us which of course now I know is how they were monitoring how much time we spent talking and what we were talking about and that sort of thing. Come on. Yeah. So we started figuring out the whole thing when they would call him and say, Oh, Sarah's called us. She's devastated. You know, y'all haven't talked in a few days. She loves you so much. Um, And he's sitting there thinking we talked yesterday and she's not in love with me. And if she was, she's probably not going to tell you guys. I'm just saying. And same thing. So I would call him and say, you didn't tell them that or this. And he's like, no, you know, so we knew that they were obviously monitoring our calls and, and all that. So Luckily, we were able to see each other in that way, where I don't think that, you know, a lot of contestants don't have that. Man, that is a weird story. <laughs> like, Isn't you must weird? really think, because that's your normal. That was your life. Oh, yeah. Like, but sometimes you must have moments where you're like, did that really happen? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> that's bizarre. Rock in the woods. <laughs> I wonder, though, because I always try to think of solutions, because reality TV isn't going away. No. So mm-hmm. I try to think how could they, I always want them to provide aftercare for people if they need it, if they feel like, I don't know, it was all too much emotionally, mm-hmm. something to yeah. there should be a, definitely like a reality support <laughs> therapy, <group>. right? <laughs> for sure. Any, anything. Yeah. Cause I, I think most of the time it's like, okay, bye-bye. Thanks yeah. for giving us your yeah. life. Uh-huh. We appreciate the, all the tears and all the drama. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Is Do you feel like it's a, a system where it's just designed to be this way? Or do you think there's like a couple bad people <laughs> orchestrating it? That's what I don't want. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, everybody says, are these shows scripted and that sort of thing? Well, no, they're not. But I, there's a plot. I mean, if you think about it, every season is the same. There's the girl crying at the beginning. Someone's going to act out the first night of the the first rose ceremony. Someone's going to cry. Someone's going home angry. Someone's going to be the villain. I mean, it's the same story over and over again. It's just where are you going to fall in line if you're on the show? Who are you going to be? Luckily, you were the good girl. Thank God. You dodged a bullet because you're not crazy. I sure did. (laughs) 
But I, you know, I remember talking to one of the girls after the show and she was just devastated. It was the episode where they had her crying, like she didn't get the rose and she's crying at the end. And she was so upset because she wasn't crying about that at all. She, they got her crying because they, she said they started in on her like, Oh, you've got to go home now. You've only been gone because this, you know, people that don't know about reality shows, it's already down to four girls after two weeks. Like we were only in the girl's house two weeks and it looks like we lived together forever, you know? Wow. So she had maybe met Travis a total of 20 minutes speaking with him. So they have her, you know, him saying goodbye to her and that sort of thing. She's crying after, you know, she's about to drive off in the limo. And really they're like, you've got to go home. You've only been gone a week. Like, what are you going to tell everybody? <gasps> you're, you're, you're gonna, everybody's going to be so disappointed in you. Like you didn't even make it far. Like, what are you going to say? You're already home? Like, really? I can't believe that makes me so sad. So she's crying, and then it looks like she's some crazy girl when the show airs who fell in love with this guy, and he just broke her heart, you know? And that wasn't the case at all. Oh, my God. I hope they gave her some aftercare because that is cruel. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I do hope that there's some change. And I know that if enough of us start yapping about it, maybe that could happen. Yeah. yeah I'm going to so. send you some of our Stop Being Polite merch so you can like get on the bandwagon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> you'll be like, you're the most polite person that is not being polite. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, you know, growing up in the South, that's like the way we roll. <laughs> right. It's the best. Well, I'm really glad that we got to talk to you because that's very, you have a lot of insight that I don't think people hear very often Mm -hmm. and you have a very unique experience. So thank you for sharing it with us. Thanks for having me on your show. I'll let you know when it posts, but you're a delight and I'm really glad to know you. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, you, Sarah. Take good care. Okay. Bye. Bye.